Good morning. We'd like to welcome you all to church this morning as we gather together as God's people to praise him and to learn from him and to fellowship with one another and with him. Please stand and join us as we begin our service by singing his praises.
God.
today to worship you, and we pray that you will indeed be glorified through our worship. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others right now. great joy to see you as we uh, come together for worship today, and I uh, hope you had an opportunity to maybe grab a donut or a cup of coffee as you came in this morning, and if you didn't, you want to exit through the lower foyer, or you will miss that. Uh, it's just a chance to uh, fellowship a little bit uh, in between services this morning, and I uh, hope you'll take advantage of that and take a few moments maybe to meet someone new and to welcome someone or to be welcomed yourself. There are lots of inserts in your bulletin today, a um, number of them related to uh, opportunities for ministry. Uh, our small groups begin next week, and there's a list of those. If you have questions about the groups, want a little more information, uh, just contact uh, Pastor Kevin at the church office or any of the pastors, and we'll direct you to the right uh, people. And there are also phone numbers in here of uh, leaders and hosts uh, to give you an idea. And we encourage you to be involved in a small group if you possibly can. Also, there are opportunities to get involved in ministry with children, youth, adults, Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights. Uh, We'd love to have you involved because we firmly believe this is one of the most profound ways in which God works in our lives as we give ourselves to others in service. So be prayerfully in prayer and be mindful about being involved in uh, some type of service in the church or through the church. And also, Sunday school continues uh, we started this back up last week. You see the list of classes there, and you're certainly invited to, at the next hour to be a part of one of those Sunday school classes. There are uh, also a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin. Uh, I want to mention a couple of, of uh, things that happened over the last couple of days. Uh, Friday morning, Mike Walters, uh, one of his sisters, died after a bit of a lengthy illness, though it was a, a little bit unexpected. And uh, he is this weekend in Ohio for those services, and I know he and his family would appreciate our prayers. And also, uh, Margaret Wynn died yesterday morning after a few months of illness. And so we want to uh, certainly want to be praying for uh, her family and friends. Uh, Her service will be Tuesday morning, 11 o'clock, here at the church. So uh, just please take note of that. Margaret Wynn's service will be here at the church Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock. This is also the beginning of Christian Life Emphasis Week. And uh, this is a a week that is intended to help us think much more intentionally about the desires, the dreams, the the passions of our lives. And as this new academic year begins, to set our minds and our hearts firmly 
on a path to God. Through the years, we've seen God move powerfully through these set-apart times. And we anticipate God doing so again this year through the ministry of Dr. Jerry Walls. Uh, Dr. Walls has taught at Asbury Theological Seminary. He currently teaches at Houston Baptist University. His primary teaching focus is the philosophy of religion, ethics, and Christian apologetics. He's authored, co-authored, edited, or co-edited a dozen books, over 80 articles and reviews. And among them are a trilogy, a trilogy of the afterlife, uh, namely Hell, the Logic of Damnation, Heaven, the Logic of Eternal Joy, and Purgatory, the Logic of Total Transformation. He's appeared several times as a guest on National Public Radio, as a guest on the television show Faith Under Fire. He was uh, recently awarded a research fellowship by the Center for Philosophy of Religion at Notre Dame University. Dr. Walls has a Master of Divinity degree from Princeton Seminary, a Master of Sacred Theology from Yale Divinity School, and a Ph.D. in Philosophy from Notre Dame. But it all began here. He is a 77 graduate of Houghton College, and we are thrilled to welcome him back. I am really looking forward to hearing God's Word through him today, uh, tonight in the chapel, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning in the chapel, um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night, also in the chapel. You see the schedule in the bulletin. And I encourage you to be a part of as many of these uh, gatherings as possible as we seek God and ask for God's grace and mercy and transformation on us individually and collectively in this year ahead. We have been blessed in so many ways by our God. We have the opportunity now to give back to God out of the ways in which he has blessed us as the ushers come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. clouds the day when we are afraid you are there when trouble closes in it's hard to trust again you are
We have the opportunity to pray together. And as we have been doing for a while, if you would like to pray by coming and kneeling at the altar rail, please come and join me as we offer together our prayers to God. Eternal God, we have indeed come to praise you today. We've come to engage our lives in your grace and come to acknowledge that we desperately need your grace. We are so far from what you have created us to be. We crave prestige and power. We we are continually trying to elbow our way to the top and to get to the highest places of honor. We engage in in spiritual competition. We arrange so much of our lives in order to call attention to our importance. Father, as we take a few moments to reflect on our sin, hear our prayers of confession and let us hear your promise of pardon. We give thanks, Father, that when we confess our sins, you forgive us in Christ. Father, we pray for our world that is far too often characterized by pain and turmoil, by violence and death. We pray for peace in places like Egypt, Syria. Nigeria. We ask for your mercy upon the people you've created in love and upon your church. We pray for people in our world who do not have food or water, who live in constant fear for their lives, who have been made slaves by the greed and lust and thirst for power of others. We pray especially for women and children who are often placed in positions of most vulnerability. Through your church, through the power of your Holy Spirit, set the captives free. Provide nourishment to the starving and thirsty. Create safety for all who are threatened. And as you release your Holy Spirit on our world... Help us to do all that we can to be agents of Christ. Lord, we pray for your healing among us. 
We pray for your comfort in our grief. We pray this for Mike and his family. We pray comfort for all of us who are grieving Margaret's death. And we pray that you will draw us closer together through your spirit in us. We pray that you will open our eyes to your presence in our homes, our places of employment, everywhere the common experiences of life take us. We pray that you will pour out your spirit during these days on which we especially focus our attention on you. Bless Dr. Walls as he speaks your word to us. Help us to hear and to see, to understand, and to surrender to you. Do something among us that we could not have dreamed. Work miracles in this place. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. We offer them today as we always do in the name of Jesus Christ, remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Acts, chapter 21, beginning at verse 37, and continuing to chapter 22, verse 5. Acts 21, 37 through 22, 5. The heading is that Paul speaks to the crowd. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the desert some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. Having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he spoke to them in Aramaic. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting them, excuse me, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as also the high priest and all of the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. 
This is the word of the Lord. At this time, any children who would like to go to Children's Church may be dismissed. Please stand as we sing together. It is a delight and an honor to be in Houghton today. As he mentioned a moment ago, I am indeed an alumnus. I unfortunately did not uh, come here four years. I transferred, but I graduated in 1977. And uh, I have indeed absolutely wonderful, warm memories 
of my two years in Houghton, and it was certainly here that I captured the vision, or the vision captured me, I'm not sure how to put it, of being a scholar. So it kind of put me on the path to all those places I ended up going and, and so on. So it's a delight and a pleasure to be here. Any, any of my old professors here today? None of around? Wol- Wolsey, Kingdon, Lex, Mullen? No? They're still around? Okay, all right. <clears throat> well, today I'm going to begin a series of sermons on the theme, the story of our lives, the story of our lives. Now, one of the best ways to describe any human life is by telling a story. And in fact, your life, my life, our lives are a story, a story that's still unfolding. It's got some already fascinating chapters in place, and there are lots of fascinating chapters yet to be written. Just the other night, I was at, a, at an art exhibit in Houston, a, a local artist. I didn't know the, the woman, but a friend of mine did, so I went with him to the exhibit, and there was a woman there I was talking with, and I said, do you, do you know the artist? He said, no, I don't know her, but I'm a friend of her friend. But I've heard a lot of stories about her. Stories. It's how you get to know who someone is. Now, what I want to do this week is to explore the theme of the stories of our lives by considering the story of a model Christian, namely the Apostle Paul. I want to look at his story as a way of thinking about our own stories more deeply and helping us to think about how we would like the rest of our stories to unfold. So how do you want the rest of your story to unfold, those chapters that are yet to be written? Now, Paul's story is told in some detail in the book of Acts, and he also gives us various autobiographical passages in various of his letters. And here are the seven things I'm going to be doing this week. So today I'm going to talk about the past from which he came. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the big turning point that gave his story direction. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk about Paul's all-or-nothing resurrection faith. Then I'm going to talk about life in the resurrection spirit tomorrow night. Next, I'm doing sex, fornication, and resurrection. Then I'm doing the great adventure story he lived in following Jesus. And I will conclude with the end that defined the man. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next uh, several messages. So I begin today with the past from which he came. And I want to start with Paul's beginning, the beginning of Paul's story in the Bible. And it's over in the end of Acts chapter 7, verse 58. Here's the first mention of Paul. And here's what the Bible says. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And then over in verse 8-1, we follow up and it says, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Now you read those verses right away and you realize you're in the middle of a story. Questions immediately arise. Who's dying? Why does Saul approve? He's apparently a guy with some pretty strong convictions because anytime you approve of somebody's death, that tells you something about yourself. He was there watching. He was a witness. 
And he liked what he saw. Now listen, it's one of the very telling things about us. We're going to witness a lot of things in our lives. And some of the things we're going to approve of and some of the things we're not going to approve of. And Paul was approving of watching somebody die. Now, I just ask you, what do you witness? What do you approve of? What do you disapprove of? And what does that tell you about yourself? It tells you a lot. It tells us a lot about Paul. It gives us an initial hint. Now, to answer this question, why did he approve of this death? We need to look at the larger story. And the larger story is told in the previous chapters. And there we learn that the man who died was Stephen. A man that you read about him. And he's described in very positive terms. He's a man full of grace. He's a man full of love. He's a man that does miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he's the first man chosen to be a deacon in the early church. So this guy sounds pretty good. He sounds like a positive person. Doesn't sound like the kind of person that would be dying and someone would be standing around watching him die and approving of it. But that's, that was Paul. This, this man who was full of grace. This man who was full of the Holy Spirit. This man who performed miracles and had the spirit of Jesus in him. And Paul was standing watching him die, and he approved of it. Now, why? Why? That's the question that begs to be answered. And again, he isn't just dying. He's being killed. The man, Stephen, is being stoned to death after a speech he gave in front of the Jewish authorities. That's the larger story. Now... Stephen's speech gives us the larger story. So back in Acts chapter 7, Stephen gives a speech, having been accused of changing the customs of Moses. They've accused him of wanting to tear down the temple and change the customs of Moses. And then Stephen stands in front of this Jewish court and he tells a story. And it begins in verse 2 of chapter 7 with the God of glory. The God of glory revealing himself. So Stephen goes on and tells this big story starting with Abraham. God revealing himself to Abraham. And then Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And when he gets to Moses, Stephen goes into lots of detail. Because he says Moses is the person... That God used to fulfill those promises that he initially made clear back to Abraham. So it all starts with Abraham. God calls Abraham, makes these great promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And then the person he's using to fulfill these promises is Moses. Moses is God's chosen instrument to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt to lead them into the promised land that God had promised hundreds of years ago back to Abraham. Now again, Stephen's point is this. This is God's chosen instrument. This is the very man that God 
empowered to fulfill the promise given to our ancestor Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And wouldn't you think that we would embrace Moses? Wouldn't you think the people would have embraced Moses and loved him? And Stephen's story is, no, that's not what happened. They didn't embrace Moses. When Moses came and said, I'm the one that God has called to bring you out of, the, uh, out of Egypt and, and, and to use as God's instrument to deliver you from bondage, the people rejected him. They said, who are you to have authority over us? And then when he led them out in the wilderness, again, they said, let's go back to Egypt. Who is this Moses guy? And Stephen is saying, listen, this was God's instrument and they rejected him. Now he gets to the real point that he's getting to. He says, guess what? This same Moses said there was going to be a prophet that was going to be God's final revelation that was going to be given to us. And Jesus is who that prophet was. And at this point, he brings these listeners right into the story. So he starts with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Jesus, and then he says, and now here you are part of the story. He says, this is where you come into it. Verse 51 of chapter 7, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? Now listen, They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one. And now you have become his betrayers and his murderers. You see what Stephen has done? He's told the whole story of of God's revelation, the God of glory, and his plan of salvation. Climaxing in Jesus, the very one that Moses predicted would come. And now he brings them into the story And says, you put him to death just like your ancestors rejected Moses and the other prophets. And who was he talking about? He was talking about the Jewish leaders. He was talking about Paul and all those of a similar mindset. So Stephen tells this story and he drags Paul and the others right into the middle of it. You are part of this story that is unfolding. Now... Here's what I want you to get out of this at this point. Notice this. Our past is much larger and more interesting than our personal past. Your past, my past, is much more interesting. It's much larger. It's part of a much bigger story than the story of my personal past and your personal past. So if I were to tell you, ask you about your story, where did you come from? Where were you born? You, 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 you could tell me that story. The bigger part of your story is the, the town from which you came, the church in which you grew up. Where did you go to high school? Tell me about your high school. That's a part of your bigger story. And now a part of your bigger story is Houghton. Houghton, Houghton was around long before you and I were born. Houghton's been around here a long time. And before Houghton, there was a larger story of Christian education in America. You're part of that bigger story. So my story, I came from a little town in Ohio called Knockamstiff. Really, that's the name of it. And it's famous. 
in literary circles because of a guy who lived up the road from me about a mile who's become a famous writer in the last few years. Knockham Stiff, Ohio, that's part of my story. Houghton College, it's part of my story. Houston Baptist University is part of my story. The University of Notre Dame, who lost last night. That interception right before halftime is what killed us. I mean, we were on the road to come back till that happened. That's, that's part of my story now. You see, now listen, your story is a lot bigger than your personal story. And when Stephen tells the whole story of the God of glory revealing himself and drags his audience into the story, he says, that's all part of your story. It's much bigger than your personal story. So here's the ultimate story. The ultimate story is his story, God's story. The story of God acting in history and creation to reveal himself and to redeem us. And here is it. Our story inevitably intersects with his story. Your story, my story, ultimately intersects with this big story of God and his self-revelation. This is the story Stephen tells, and he situates his hearers in this story, and this is where Saul's story is located. Now, let's take a quick look at Paul's personal past. Paul's personal past. In the text that was read to you today, over in Acts chapter 21 and 22, we learn a lot of the details of Paul's past. Paul was born in Tarsus. Tarsus was no ordinary city. It was a city of culture and education. Paul emphasizes the fact that, hey, I didn't come from some little knock'em stiff place. I came from a serious place. Tarsus, a place of education, a place of distinction. He was a Roman citizen, born a Roman citizen. He tells us in chapter 22, verse 28. He said he was born a citizen, which tells us that either because he was a Jew, his father or his grandfather must have done something to warrant that kind of citizenship, must have done some kind of service to Rome, which allowed him to be born a citizen. He was raised in Jerusalem. He tells us in chapter 22, verse 3. And from a child, he says, he followed the Jewish faith very strictly. He was the tribe of Benjamin. And who is the first king of Israel? Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. And what is his name? Saul. I suspect lots of young men from the tribe of Benjamin were given the name of Saul, the first king of Israel. So this is his history. He said he studied at the feet of Gamaliel, chapter 22, verse 3, a distinguished rabbi where he was thoroughly and strictly trained in Judaism. He tells us in Acts 26, 5 and Philippians 3, 5 that he was a Pharisee. The word Pharisee, of course, means separated. These were the most zealous, the most committed of all of the Jewish leaders. In Hebrews, excuse me, Philippians 3, 5, he describes himself as a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Now, Hebrews is a stricter term than Jew uh, because they attended a specific uh, synagogue that was not Hellenistic, not not, not Greek, which again emphasized more strictly that they were separated. They were different from the pagan culture. These were the strictest of the strict the Jews of the Jews, the Hebrews of the Hebrews. This is Paul's background. And he describes himself in Galatians 1.14 as someone who was extremely zealous and was advancing beyond many others of his age group in terms of his prominence within Judaism. Now, I run through that background very quickly for this purpose. This 
explains why he was standing there watching Stephen being stoned to death and watching with approval. And we're talking about more than approval. We're talking about watching this with passionate conviction and approval because we go on to read that right after this, it says a severe persecution began among the church in Jerusalem and Saul, in verse 3, was ravaging the church. Dragging off both men and women, he committed them to prison. Now, that's Paul's personal past. That explains why Paul was standing there, giving approval as Stephen, a man who was full of grace and full of the Holy Spirit, died. It also explains that Paul, this was the part of Paul's story about what he was most ashamed. And if you read, the, uh, if you read Paul giving his uh, uh, story, as he recounts his story numerous times, he refers to the fact that he was a persecutor of the church. And over in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, he even goes so far as to say, I don't even deserve to be an apostle. I don't deserve to be an apostle. I am the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church. Now, here's what I'm, uh, I'm wanting to emphasize here. Part of Paul's past was something of which he was deeply ashamed. Something of which he was deeply ashamed. And I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But I got to say, my story is not all about Princeton and Yale and, and writing books. I, I, I have things I'm ashamed of. Most prominently, I stand in front of you as a man who's divorced. Now, I would love to say to you, I would much prefer to say to you, I'm happily married to the wife who graduated with me from Houghton. But I can't. I failed in marriage. Ending the marriage was not my choice, but the fact of the matter is always when marriages fail, there's plenty of blame to go around. And I know there was blame to go around on my part. I failed. I'm ashamed of it. But listen, it's part of my story. I can't just ignore that part, deny that part, brush over it and go, yeah, yeah, well, let's just skip right over that. Let's just talk about my degrees and books and we'll just leave that part out. No, hmm. that's part of the story. Now, I don't know what your counterpart to that is, but I'm guessing that there are things in your story that you wish weren't there too. You may be ashamed of them. But here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. Paul goes on to say, I don't deserve to be an apostle. I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. The grace of God working in me despite the fact 
that I don't deserve to be an apostle. And here's the point. Here's the point. The story of God's grace, the story of God's ability to transform, the story of God's ability to forgive and redeem even our worst mistakes and the things of which we are most ashamed is a far, far more interesting and more powerful and more deeply true part of the story than our sin. God's grace is a far more powerful, more deeply true, more interesting, more significant story than the story of your and my worst failures and worst sins. And God can redeem it. So I conclude with this final thought. I want you to notice this. Paul's worst sins came out of his greatest strengths. Paul's worst sins, this thing of which he was most ashamed, came out of his greatest strengths. He was brilliant. He was highly trained. He was passionate. He was zealous. He was advancing beyond many his age. He was gifted. All of that is what made him stand out and all of that when it went the wrong direction and got off course is what led to his greatest sins of which he was most ashamed. Now I emphasize, the gifts are intrinsically good things. But the greater our gifts, the more damage they do when we misuse them. The greater the angel, the worse the demon. The greater the gift, the greater the damage when it's abused and misused. Paul's greatest strengths were the things out of which his greatest sins came. But again, it's those very strengths, too, which, when given to Christ, enabled him to do the extraordinary work of Paul the Apostle. And that's the story we will pick up tonight. stand and join us as we sing. I once was lost in darkest night yet thought I
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.